and gentlemen, boys and girls, reptiles, amphibians, all sorts of animals. We're just welcoming you back to the show. Professionals and animal lovers show. If you're watching on Facebook, here's a prototype. The first ever. (laughs) We're in the works. Little gear. We're putting together some gear. Prototype the first ever professionals and animal lovers. The T-shirt. Val and and Bonnie are here. Do you remember like Spaceballs? It was like Spaceballs, the movie. Spaceballs, the rocket launcher. Like this is like (laughs) pals, the T-shirt, right? Little throwback to Spaceballs. I love that movie, actually. I got to go back when they were combing the desert with Joan Rivers. <laughs> the that was my favorite movie because my husband's last name is Schwartz. So the kids oh. were <laughs> I had no idea. Look at how that goes. May the Schwartz be with you, Bonnie Clapper. How funny is that? Where you can, I, some things just happen. Like the yeah. universe has a joke. It's got its own sense of humor. Like puts these ideas like into my head and then they just come out on the air. So this is the Professionals and Animal Lover Show. Before we get into the festivities, which is we are super excited about our guest today, Bonnie S. Clapper. We have, I want to tell you this, we want to amplify the message. We believe, we know this in our DNA, that the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It's as strong, it really mirrors that relationship between pets and their pet parents. I used to say pets and their owners. I think it even says pets and their owners, but it's pets and their pet parents. And we know that people want to work together, collaborate together, advocate together. And we know that when we do this, as a, dare I say, society, a professionals and animal lovers society, dare I say it, when we do this as a society, everyone wins. Especially the animals. That is correct. That is right. So I just have to say this because um, before I forget, I usually try to do this towards the end, but my husband's going to kill me if I don't do this. Tommy, Demisa, you have been wanting to get some merch right? Sell some stuff with our logo on it forever. I love that you're kind of looking into it. I didn't even know. I think it looks great. My wife made it. She made this, Val. My wife made it. Oh, she made it. She made it. She made it on the the dining room table. Yeah, she's amazing. So (laughs) what I should also, since I have the opportunity, say um, is that if you like what we're doing, if you want to support us, um, you can certainly uh, sponsor us, give us a guest recommendation, obviously share us, like us, you know, help get us um, more into uh, your circles, because I know this animal lovers really do love other animal lovers. And so we're trying to do so much good. And upcoming in a couple of weeks is, for example, our recommended holiday gift giving idea stuff. And we're highlighting businesses like I still have this on my desk from last year. This we're highlighting businesses like this is doggone candles. They give back a percentage of sales to shelters and rescues. You have it too. Yes, I do. You, you send them to me. And like, you know, we are really casting a spotlight on anyone who's doing great things for animals. They don't have to be in business. They can be retired. They can have a, a regular, you know, nine to five job and be a teacher or whatever. But if you're doing good things for animals, we want you on the show. We want to uh, garner attention to your cause, your mission, and support you any way we can. So if you want to support us, you can send an email to uh, to me, basically. It's Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E, at pal-show, not underscore, hyphen show, dot com. Thank you. Thank you. So three things on this show. We're here to learn. We're here to educate. And once we get a bunch of the information, we don't always have all the answers before we do this, we go out and we advocate. And then, you know what, we might still not have the answers, so we come back, 
we learn, we educate, and then we go and advocate again. That's what this is all about. It's a constant circle of life, sort of like the circle of pals, right? The professionals and animal lovers show. Bonnie Clapper, we're jazzed to have you here. I mean, I have this background. I pulled up a couple of websites. Uh, legal advisor it works with does work with the Direct Action Everywhere Group, the Veterans International Group, Black Sheep Sanctuary and Retreat, which is a vegan farmed animal sanctuary in Mexico. That's how you say Mexico in Spanish, everybody. Mexico, and uh, also involved with Humane Long Island. Our friends Camp Happy Tales NYC, certainly our friends at Humane Long Island. Shout out to John D. Leonardo and team. And Bonnie, I'm fired up because you're here, and I know Valerie's more fired up than I am. So. It's getting hot in here. We're all fired up. What's going on, Bonnie Clapper? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and it's a pleasure to be here, especially on the heels of you having my great friend, uh, John DeLeonardo from Humane Long Island, and Pat, the executive director of the Southampton Animal Shelter. Uh, I'm on both of their boards. I'm lucky to be on both of their boards. Yeah, so uh, I guess I'll just get started. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I've always told myself I love animals. I have dogs, many dogs. It And I became a vegetarian. Actually, my journey was perhaps interesting to your viewers. First, I was a pescatarian and uh, because I didn't want to eat animals. But to me, fish, fish were just fish. Were they really animals that we needed to protect and care for? I had a client who, before he ran drug boats uh, out of Ecuador, was a fisherman. Uh, you know, and I was visiting him in jail once and he's telling me, you don't eat cows, you don't eat lamb, but you eat fish. Yes, I eat fish. Do you know how fish die when we pull them out of the water? They suffocate, they gasp for their last breath and they suffocate to death. That was it. No more fish. I became a vegetarian. All right. Thank you. So, so hold on a second, because I have to call like pause timeout, because that's not just a regular conversation when you say before my client smuggled drugs from Ecuador, he can we talk a little bit? Because I, I'm appreciative of him. He's obviously an animal advocate, right? There's good in all of us. So he's obviously an animal advocate because he didn't want you to eat the fish anymore. But can you just give us a little bit of that background too, please? I don't think he really cared if I ate the fish, but he wanted me to know that the fish suffer just like land mammals suffer. Um, so I was a federal prosecutor for 25 years in Los Angeles and in the Eastern District of New York in Brooklyn. My specialty at that time was Colombian, Guatemalan, and Mexican cartel cases. So I did that for many years. And the last three years of my work with the government, on two separate occasions, I had to live with marshals protecting me because people I was prosecuting uh, wanted to kill me and my partner. Wow. So. After 25 years of this, I said to myself, you know what, I've given back to society for 25 years. It's time to do something different. So I retired. And uh, much to my own surprise, I started doing defense work for some of the same types of people that I was prosecuting. And I've been doing that for about 11 years. But the, for me, the most significant event in my life, I should say, other than marrying my husband, because he's in the background and he won't be happy if I don't say that, but was four years ago, uh, I was in my house and I had been speaking to a friend of mine, a retired investment banker. And I told her, I don't want to do this work that I'm doing all that much. I, I was happier when I was giving back. I want to work to help animals. Do you have any thoughts for me? And by coincidence, she knew 
an incredible activist who one day I hope you have on your show called Donnie Moss. Um, and Donnie Moss is a nationally renowned vegan activist and animal liberation activist. And we were sitting together and I proudly said to him, well, I'm a vegetarian, so I can help animals. And he said, oh, are you interested in becoming a vegan? Well, I don't really know all that much about it. Uh, what can you tell me? And Donnie said, I only need five minutes of your time. I, I get chills when I think about this. I want to show you two Facebook clips, one oh. on milk and one on eggs. And five minutes later, I was a vegan and I've been a vegan. Now it's going on four years. We call it your vegan anniversary. My vegan anniversary was in August. Uh, and since that time, starting with Donnie's introductions and then following my own interests, I became affiliated with many, many uh, vegan outreach groups, animal liberation groups. That's on the more, uh, more activist side. And on the other side, I put myself out there as someone who knew 501c3 law and would help any nonprofit with contract drafting, 501c status, things like that. If I didn't know the area of the law, I actually went out and I hired an attorney to teach me the area of the law because I want to be able to help any animal cause with any legal need they might need. So wow. that's wow. my Thank background. You. Well, I don't know if that's well, what you wanted, but that's my background. No, that's no, no. Incredible. Well, uh, may I ask you a question? Um, sure. One of the things that's really exciting for me is uh, throughout the course of the last year and change since we started this podcast, we've had several attorneys come on who are not uh, familiar necessarily with animal advocacy. It's not their you know, area of, of focus. Um, however, they are animal lovers and they want to get more involved and they want to advocate on behalf of whether it's um, improving um, the current legislations or writing new laws. So that's really exciting for me because it's like a home run. But so how do I direct them? Like, can I introduce them to you? Maybe you guys can collaborate or maybe you can guide them a little bit or whatever your I'm suggestions are. I'm more than happy to speak with anyone. I, I do it all the time. Many times people will write me and say, I don't know what to do. I care. How do I help? Mm -hmm. my, my journey literally came about when Donnie introduced me to the leadership of direct action everywhere. But I then went on Facebook and I searched rescuing dogs from China. Bingo. Yeah. There's a group that needs help. Through rescuing dogs from China, I met the amazing Candy Udell, owner mm -hmm. of London Healers, probably rescued 20,000 dogs over the past 15 years. She introduced me to Regina at Camp Happy Tales. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> I, and it, if you want to help animals, it doesn't have to only be your area of the law. We learn, right? I'm not young. I'm not telling you how old I am, but I'm not young. But I, I taught myself all different areas of the law so that I could find better ways to help the groups that help the animals. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, this is just so crazy exciting for me. Um, one of the things I really also would love to ask you uh, is, so there's, there's so many things, right? There's so many areas that animals need help with in general. We need more voices. Um, what are some of your areas of focus today? Like, what are you really concentrating on? Because I know for me, it's like, you know, I was very involved with the Hempstead Animal Shelter. 
Uh, I've been involved with the anti-puppy mill bill. And I there's certainly other things on my radar, but there's only enough time in a day, right? Right. So what are your priorities? Well, uh, as a vegan and a, an animal rights activist, my I most of my work, well, much of my work is with Direct Action Everywhere. Uh, Direct Action Everywhere is a grassroots group. Our mission is to reveal the truth about factory farming. Everyone knows the saying, if slaughterhouses had glass windows, no one would eat animals. So it's our mission to educate the public. Sometimes we educate the public in ways in which our activists get arrested. Um, So part of my responsibility with Direct Action Everywhere is to counsel activists okay, you're planning an action. I first have to tell you not to break any laws because I'm a lawyer. But if you're going to break laws, here, here are the consequences. Do this and it'll be a felony. Do this, it'll be a misdemeanor. Do this a different way and it's less likely that you'll get arrested. So I, I counsel the activists about their individual actions and I also do a lot of animal cruelty uh, reports. Our activists with direct action everywhere put themselves at extraordinary risk. They go into factory farms where there's people with guns at night. They plant cameras. They take video. Our phrase is direct action. When our activists do this, they then, they don't cover their face. They don't hide right on every social media platform. They're out there saying, this is what's happening in these Mm -hmm. places. Even these humane places. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Show it's like show camps, you know, in the front, you'll see the ducks swimming in the water. And in the back, the ducks are in crates screaming and being, uh, you know, tortured. So um, I would, if anyone is really passionate about animals and is a vegan, I would urge you to get involved with direct action everywhere. We have uh, I definitely action. have to ask you, do you know, Jesse Langell, who was on our show a week ago, I believe he's yeah, was last week. He's an attorney in Manhattan, and he is um, going after uh, the food industry, basically, for false advertising and fraud, fraudulent statements. I'm probably botching this, but um, you know him? Yeah, I I do know him via email because uh, he's communicating with John from Humane Long Island and I. That's a whole other angle. So that's a lawyer whose specialty is false advertising claims. Mm -hmm. Why would anybody think that helps animals? He took his skill and he turned it to help animals. Yes. So yes. professional take what there's. So my skill originally was criminal defense. Well, so now I can counsel all these activists who are likely going to be arrested for their actions. It's good to, uh, you know, uh, not to, it's good like Michael Corleone. It's good to have like, you know, an attorney close by, you know, to just, <laughs> I say I ingest, but I'm, but in, in all seriousness, it's, Look, if we're going to put ourselves in harm's way, how do we mitigate the risk is really what, I, what I'm hearing you say. What, what Jesse's working on, too, is humane washing is the term, which is the practice of making false or misleading claims about the treatment of farmed animals. Mm-hmm. You know, you see these terms like humanely raised, humanely treated, raised humanely, ethically raised, raised ethically, ethical, responsibly. It's all shenanigans, in, as I would say in my vernacular, but it's all BS. Uh, so Jesse was on the show last week. We talked about... Uh, vegetarianism. He's been on the show uh, a couple times now. So we are going to take a quick break. Uh, I have shared direct action everywhere on Facebook. If you're on Facebook with us right now, if not, go to directactioneverywhere.com. And it says, 
until every animal is free. It's a global network of activists working to achieve revolutionary social and political change for animals in one generation. Look, we do three things on the show, gang. We're here to learn, we're here to educate, and ultimately we're here to advocate. We're gonna take a break right now, professionals and animal lovers show. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Your pals, Tommy and Val, Professionals and Animal Lovers Show. Bonnie Clapper is here with us on the show. And, you know, as I say all the time, gang, no big deal. Just changing the world. You know, because it is a, it is a big deal. I say that tongue-in-cheek because we're talking about what I just looked at, I shared during the break. We will achieve revolutionary and political, excuse me, we will achieve revolutionary social and political change for animals in one generation. That is the mission statement. That is the objective of Direct Action Everywhere, which is an organization that Bonnie's very involved with. Bonnie Clapper is here. Some of the stuff Bonnie does advises and represents individual activists, as we talked about in our first session there, the first piece, also helps set up 501c3 charities, specifically dog rescue charities, helps them with their uh, contractor, independent contract agreements, employment agreements, really the advisor to these organizations. Because having, you know, my background, having grown up in, in payroll sales and HR and benefits, it's like, take the things away that get in the way, outsource those to somebody who knows what they're doing so you can be on mission and stay on objective of what you're doing. So let's just get right back in the conversation, Bonnie and Val. Please. Um, I do have a couple of questions. So I have a couple of things written down from before we uh, went live and we can talk about um, as much or as little uh, as you prefer or, or as we have time for. Um, so I'm just going to rattle them off and then you can start wherever you'd like if, if you don't mind. But um, 
the first one was, uh, so I have written down the Mexico dogs, horse carriages, NYC, um, or horse carriages in general, but, um, and also the foie gras thing, which um, for anyone who doesn't know, foie gras was actually uh, banned um, in, in New York. Uh, I believe it was Assemblywoman Rosenthal again, who initiated that piece of legislation. What I saw a couple of nights ago, and I saw you comment, Bonnie, is that um, there was a restaurant who had it on its menu anyway. And so what concerns me greatly about this is that, you know, it almost makes you question, well, what is the point of legislation if there's not enforcement, right? So the, those are just the three top things, I guess, going on in my mind that I know that you are familiar with. And by all means, pick, pick choose whichever ones you'd like to talk about. <laughs> I'll go in reverse order. Sure. Um, what what the foie gras producers in New York did is they took a page from the pig producers in California. In California, proposition was passed banning gestation crates. Gestation crates are one of the most cruel things on the planet. Pregnant pigs are put in these crates where they cannot move at all. They give birth and they cannot touch their babies. They cannot see their babies. It's... I could spend a whole show just on that. And within a week before the law, the proposition was come into effect, the pork producers filed suit. Mm. The foie gras producers have done the same thing. The foie gras ban was set to come into effect. The farms in upstate New York that are still making this most cruel of all foods waited until the law was about to come into effect and sued. So and now they're in. How does that work, Bonnie? They basically like it's about to happen and then they all of a sudden their attorneys come in and go, hold on. And then they have to kind of cease and the law does not become this doesn't go into effect. Well, it depends on the judge. So a judge could say, no, the law is going into effect. I'm not. I'll consider your lawsuit. We'll litigate it all the way up to the Supreme Court if you want. But I'm not enjoining the law from going into effect. But if a judge feels that in this case, the foie gras producers have some case, maybe not a great case, but some case, the judge, he or she will typically issue an injunction. And the injunction says, nope, can't prevent the sale of foie gras in New York until this case is resolved. So it's really on the judge? It's up to the judge? Well, the, the foie gras producers, the gestation crate people, they strategize, they wait until the very last minute. And then it's on the judge as to whether he or she's going to issue an injunction. So that foie gras producer that was in the live stream, and in fact, Donnie Moss was in that live stream, narrating it, he made the movie. Um, he enjoined the law from going into effect. So the restaurateur, he may be, in my opinion, engaging in criminal animal cruelty, but he can still serve that stuff until the law is either sustained by a judge or overturned, in which case... For those of for those of our listeners who may not know um, why foie gras is considered to be one of the cruelest uh, foods, um, could would you want to maybe just describe sure. what goes on behind the scenes? So what foie gras producers do is they take geese or they take ducks. Those are the two main fowl used. They put pipes down their throat and they force feed these birds as much as they can get into them so that their livers become engorged and huge. So huge that if you go online and look up foie gras, how it's made, you'll see these birds 
walking, barely walking, dragging their livers behind them. So the bird suffers incredible torture so that some human being can eat the bird's liver. Can I stop for a second, Bonnie and Valerie? Because now this is when I get pissed off. Because, like, I don't even under like I just found some pictures, and maybe I'll share them. But I I can't even grasp the inhumanity where somebody came up with that as an idea. Like, it's just look. There are aside from the animal world that we're talking about, there are incredible injustices and people do really stupid shit. Excuse my language. I never curse in the show, but it's happening. So where people just do really dumb things. Like I, I just, I, what boggles my mind is it's a tragic situation that this goes on, but like, who was the dummy that not that you, neither of you know that it's a rhetorical question, but it was a dummy that was like, I'm, look, I'm looking at this. It looks like a giant funnel with a tube coming out of the bottom of the funnel. And I'm, because some of you are not watching, you're only listening. And this poor animal is just, this guy is holding by his neck. So there's food. Like what kind of asinine behavior was that? Like Frenchman in the 1700s thought this was a good thing to do because foie gras comes from France originally. Um, who would want to eat the product of such torture? Well, that's the thing. It sounds the liver is is if I know if I understand the liver as somebody who no longer drinks, it gets rid of all the poisons and toxins in our body. So why would I want that to be the thing that I'm going to put on my plate and pay a premium for it? Most animal protein that's consumed is not good for you. Milk, we know, is an inflammatory agent. So, um, but that's for another story. But that that's what happened with the foie gras ban. It's in the courts right now. Um, I think. I was backwards. I think. And, oh, uh, the yeah, first. I'm one of those people who kind of subscribes to the school of thought. Like, if you're not going to get the little things right, then how can you get the big things right? And, um, you know, for example, um, I had an animal uh, advocate and rescuer reach out to me recently because um, it's a long story, but there was a household and uh, the rescue was able to rescue their the dog um, and find him a great home. And then these people ended up leaving. Um, I think they got evicted, to be honest with you, but they left and then they sent the rescuer a text saying, uh, we moved, please get my cat. So they dumped, dumped, they abandoned their cat, which is illegal according to New York State Agriculture and Markets Law. But so now what? Now what do they do? Because the enforcement is not there. So I'm sitting here saying, if we can't get this done, how are we going to enforce the other laws that involve cruelty and neglect and, you know, even worse cases, right? That's a whole nother. <sighs> Last night, 11 o'clock, a rescuer wrote to me, there's a pit bull tied up in Ozone Park to a leash so tight he cannot lie down and he's living on a pile of junk. We called the police, we called the precinct, we did a 311. The police responded, well, we can't go onto the property without a search warrant. And, you know, looks like animal cruelty, but we're not interested. So what does a person do? Do you take the, the law into your own hands? Well, some rescuers do. They'll go in dark yeah. and they'll put that pit bull out and they'll steal yeah. that pit bull. And we don't call it stealing in rescue. We call it rescuing. They'll rescue yeah. that pit bull. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, like, I'm, I'm one of those people who I probably should have called you, but I didn't know you back then. But five or so years ago, uh, there was a situation at the landfill in Oceanside, New York. Uh, and basically, there was a gentleman who uh, was able to feed these a colony of cats that he cared for. Uh, and then one day they told him that he could no longer do it and that he was trespassing and they'd arrest them and all that stuff. So the property uh, 
was uh, adjacent to Waterway. And um, I called up a friend of mine who's a lawyer and I said, can you please uh, introduce me to a, a criminal defense lawyer? <laughs> and he did. And I just said, look, this is what I'm thinking of doing. You know, I'm going to kayak over there with some food and some water. I can't bear the thought of 38 cats starving to death or, you know, being dehydrated or whatever. And um, what happens if I get caught? Right. So we looked it up together and basically I saw that it was uh, it was a $250 fine. And I was willing to risk that. So I trespassed. I'm just confessing. I totally did it. I kayaked over a couple of times. One time I had someone with me. I also jet skied over with my now husband and um, well, he didn't get off the jet ski, but I did. And each time I was bringing them like food and water because I, I couldn't bear it. I could not bear it. So, but this is the problem because there's these organizations that claim like the Nassau County SPCA, I'm sorry, but what they're really well known for is saying we're not an enforcement agency, but other SPCAs are, and they, they go after people and they get them convicted. So there's really a big problem here. If, if there's no enforcement, you know, what do we do? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you know that the ASPCA in New York ceded its enforcement authority to the precincts. Every precinct is supposed to have a humane enforcement officer. Go into 20 precincts tomorrow, three will have an officer. The other 17 will say, we don't know what that is. That's the, all the ASPCA. So there's an utter lack of enforcement. Um, well, there sounds like there's 14 job opportunities in New York City, if you want to work that, <laughs> you know, in this level of enforcement in, in these other 14 precincts. I, I We do have to take a quick break. And I want to just shout out my partner here for being a badass and getting on that kayak <laughs> and doing what she had to for the animals, but doing it proactively, right? I like that, that you did your research and you said, you know what, if I do get jammed up, how bad is the pain? 250 bucks? Well, that seems like that's reasonable for you to go out and, and save and support those cats. I would, I just shared something on Facebook, you. you know, Tina Traster did a, a movie called Catnip Nation and the trailer to Catnip Nation was Valerie on a kayak. So if you see that woman in the kayak, that is actually Valerie in the kayak doing that. So check out Catnip Nation and check us out in 90 seconds because you're going to a quick break. This is Pals Professionals and Animal Lovers show right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Legal advisor, attorney, and all-around champion for the animals, Bonnie Clapper is here with us on Professionals and Animal Lovers Show. Bonnie, we're just jazzed to have you here, and I see why my friend and partner here was so excited about having you on the show, because this is a great conversation. And I will promise you this, like we said up front, even before we started the show, we will run out of time before we run out of words to say. It's part of the show. It's actually, maybe that should be our theme. We do not have enough time, but we have plenty of words. No, but what's great about it, all kidding, Aside is that we want to have you be a part of this community, part of this society that we're creating because it's folks like you who are on the front lines who are going to continue to educate us and help us and help us rather educate others. So I was sharing something with Veterans International. I don't know if you want to speak to that, but I know Valerie had some other questions about dogs in Mexico. And, and let's just jump right back in. The Mexico dogs and the horse carriages, whichever one you're up for. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, this is this is how. If you put yourself out there, believe me, as a professional, someone will need your help. Um, So I, through DXE, through Direct Action Everywhere, I met an amazing woman named Mandy Washburn. Mandy was living, is living in Mexico and had a small farmed animal sanctuary called Black Sheep Retreat and Sanctuary. She had gone to Mexico some years ago to get scuba uh, certified as a a teacher, trainer, and someone said, oh, here's this black sheep, noche, which means night in Italian. And uh, his, his, the kid who raised him doesn't want him to be killed, but the father's going to kill him. Mandy took noche. She hasn't been back except for visits since because you cannot bring farmed animals from Mexico into the United States. Mm. So she runs this wonderful sanctuary. And I noticed when I started working with her that she wasn't a 501c3. If you're not a 501c3, Facebook does not allow you access to its fundraising platforms. Mm -hmm. So I did my homework. I called a 501c3 lawyer. I said, do me a favor, review what I'm doing. That was the first time I did a 501c3. We made her a 501c3. And now we're rocking and rolling um, to the cartel dogs. Mandy called me one day, maybe about six months ago, and said, "Um, Bonnie, this is right up your alley. Down the road from me is a small dog sanctuary, and the founder of the sanctuary has 20 dogs, and the cartel activity in our area is increasing. Cartel members and gang members have stopped by and said, give us money or we're going to kill all the dogs. He has no money. He has barely enough money to feed the dogs, let alone himself. So Mandy said, can you help? I called four different animal shelters in New York. All four said, sorry, not interested, don't have the bandwidth, nice, you know, nice to meet you. John from 
Yeah, not interested, which shocked me because dogs are dogs wherever they are around the world, right? But I was introduced to Pat DeShong, who's the head of the Southampton Animal Rescue. And Pat said, 20 dogs, we'll make it happen. Yes. Within a matter of weeks, maybe we had every single one of those dogs on a transport. Um, the other two rescues that from Mexico, just, from Mexico, okay. Bonnie, to to, yeah. to Long Island, like it's not across the street. <laughs> well, it was. I got to tell you, it was. I don't remember when I've had that much stress. You know, getting phone calls at one in the morning. The export permits aren't in order, uh, and, and this also tells you how you reach out to people. Are we had a problem with our export permits? My husband had a business. He had a friend in the business who owns a business in Mexico pick up the phone. The guy's a dog lover. Not a problem. Here's my customs broker. And we worked through the night and yeah. we got all the all of our relationships though. I love how, just to remember folks, when you're yeah. out there and you realize how stressful this is, this is a woman who prosecuted cartel people and then defended cartel people. And this is the most stressed she's ever been. So that's your, so when you're stressed <laughs> out and you're an animal advocate, believe me, you're going to be stressed out. It's part of the gig apparently, Bonnie, right? It is. But we, there are two other rescues were involved. Um, they've asked not to be mentioned because they're concerned about the cartel connection. But we got out all 20 dogs. They went to four or five rescues around the United States. Three came to Southampton. And they, they almost all of them had heartworm. So here's another way you can help. Heartworm drugs at the time were in very short supply. I called the pharmacist who makes my dog's um, medicine. I have one of my dogs has a heart condition. And he said, Bonnie, it's called Cross River Pharmacy. I urge you, if you have animals, to reach out to them. He started his own 501c3 so that he could provide low-cost medicine to shelters. Now he provides Southampton Animal Shelter with its medication. So let me just um, let me just give them a shout out. Is it are yeah. they up in Cross River, New York? Is that the group? Um actually I typed in Cross River Pharmacy. I just want to make sure we we yes, uh, let me yeah. Oh, yeah, get... dogs. vet compounding. It's got to be them. Compound, yeah. Yeah. Let's give them a shout out. Is there somebody out by name you want to mention? Um, I, you know, I don't want them without yeah. permission. But yeah, yeah. I would well, say I everyone there is amazing. And if you have a rescue and the medicine costs, medication costs for the animals are high, reach out to them. They have a 501c3. Mm-hmm. They're exceptional. They also oh, do. I love these people. I love these people. It's just the, the, you know, the ripples, Val. They just keep yeah. going further yep. and further and further. But to also your point, Tommy, it is about oftentimes it it is about relationships. It is about networking because yeah. we may not have all of the answers, you know, um, in our own minds, but we probably have someone who has the answer in our Rolodex. We definitely, no, we definitely do. And that's not arrogant. We definitely do. Because at the yeah. end of the day, we're all connected to each other. Might me, you know, they used to say six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Remember that whole thing? But it's, I think it's probably less, even yeah. specifically when you get niched down into a bunch of folks who care about animals, it's yeah. even less, right? Because there's a, there's a, a, a cause affiliated with this. There's this niche, there's this reason why. And there's people who want to make a change. So yeah, I, I think we are, we are always all connected. It's a matter of, 
asking the right questions. I just want to make a shout out because you talk about somebody who just, I think you just talked about two organizations that's just created a nonprofit organization. So I'll just say I ran into my friend Bessie the other day who just founded Gatto Pups and Friends as a nonprofit rescue. So my, my neighborhood friend, Bessie Gatto, appreciate Bessie and then all they do. And she said she, uh, I think, I don't know if she agreed to come on the show just yet, but I'm what Bessie, it'd be cool if you came on the show. But <laughs> um, but it's you know, it's just really special that people are realizing that these animals need the support, they need the help. And um in, in order to do that, the nonprofit opportunity really creates that, creates the opportunity for people to to bring in funds. You started to talk about Facebook, you know, Bonnie. So with, I, again, you, you might have heard the commercial during a break. I'm the nonprofit sector connector here on Long Island, pretty connected in the nonprofit sector. So can you talk a little bit about that strategy? Because it sounds like, like you said earlier, you may not have known 501c3 law. You might have not known about board governance and what it might be, but you've gone and done your homework. So can you speak a little bit to that? Because in fact, Val, you know, one of our friends called me who came to our lunch and came to our event the other day. And she said, you know, I'm in the process. I got to go to ags and markets and I don't, you know, and all this. And I'll be honest with you, for what I know about nonprofit, I don't know anything specific to rescues and things. So can you speak to that a little bit about nonprofit for a sec or two? What I like to say to the nonprofits that reach out to me is, you're saving lives. I'll do the rest. Put put uh, the put the burden on me. That's so fantastic. Find the five hundred one c three laws. I'll make you a five hundred one c three. I'll um, I have a wonderful accountant who's given me a discount for doing the five hundred one c three returns for the nonprofits that I work with. Wonderful. So all of you're right, uh, Tommy. We don't even know who we know. I mean, how could I have dreamed when we're trying to get 20 dogs away from the cartel that my husband's friend who has an import export business in Mexico would, and you know, I love Hillary Clinton's It Takes a Village. This was a village of three domestic rescues, an airport, uh, an airline transport company, a Mexican customs broker, a Mexican business person who loves dogs and wanted to help. And... And a, and a pharmacist who provided the medicine so that these 20 dogs could get well and find homes. And you. Uh, <laughs> well, re- you know, but again, and- Bobby, you're the kingpin on that whole thing, not to use a, a cartel thing. I just realized <laughs> I, as soon as I said it, I realized I wanted the words back. But you were sort of like the the, the hub and the spoke yeah, of the wheel, did. right? Right, Val? If it's not for the person moving and shaking and making it happen, it doesn't happen. It is absolutely incredible. Again, we talk about the ripple effect a lot. But the other thing, I just have to take this opportunity to, to hammer this point home, is that animal welfare is political. It is 100% political. Everything that we're talking about, you know, there's there's laws involved, there's governing bodies and agencies involved, and that is why we need animal lovers to use their voice. So um, when I first met Bonnie, I didn't meet her, I saw Bonnie on um, an impromptu live stream video uh, when the United States was leaving Afghanistan. And there was or is a rescue located in Kabul called Small, uh, Kabul Small, oh my God, Small. Kabul Small Animal Rescue. Thank you. Good Lord. Kabul Small Animal Rescue. 200 dogs were there and, and they were trying to figure out how are they going to get out and not leave a single animal behind. So, and again, 
we can talk about this when, when we do come back from break. It's really worth highlighting the fact that this was all CDC. They, these were policies uh, dictated by people here. And this is why we all need to team up because sometimes laws don't make sense. I'm sure you both know this, but the two most powerful, three most powerful, well-funded lobbies in the United States are guns, pharmacy, and agriculture. The agriculture's companies, I don't even call them farms because we really don't have family farms in the United States anymore. We have big factory farms. They have so much money and they are supporting the politicians that are going to allow them to speed up the kill line, that are going to allow them to use gas chambers to kill pigs. It's, it's, so, it's money and it's power. And we animal people, as you say, we must stick together on every front. It's from the person who's feeding the cats. There's a phenomenal rescue called the story of cat rescue. I help them sometimes. That woman goes into the Charlotte. project. Yes, she, you know her, she climbs over fences where she's been told not to go to feed and rescue the cats. We need those kind of people. And we need people like uh, Marty Irby of Animal Welfare Association. He's on the Hill every day fighting for laws to protect animals. So, and then we need everything in between. Yes, my goodness. You know what I just, I realized this. I realized when we gave out some compassion awards, Bonnie, a couple of weeks back. Um, we probably need to give out like a hundred compassion awards in 2023. So, I know. so if you want to partner up with us, anybody, if you want to be a sponsor of the compassion Awards, so we can give and recognize all these organizations, I think a shout out to my friend, Ken Serini, you know, with the long Island imagine awards and New York city imagine awards. I'm very involved. And I feel like, you know, what they've accomplished with the imagine awards, Valerie is where we need to eventually have the compassion awards, two, three, 400 people in a room, recognizing the great work that the animal advocates and the nonprofits are doing. I mean, not not eating animals. (laughs) I can't tell you how many, I'm not going to make the world vegan. I wish everyone was my own husband isn't. But when I go to an animal nonprofit event and I see them serving animals, I want to pull all my hair out one night a year. Don't eat animals. Yeah, we have vegan options at our event, but we have vegan options. Maybe maybe Bonnie's on to something. Maybe, you know, we want to play in the big leagues. Maybe it's all that way. Maybe everything. I will say, though, that there are, you know, this is it's a struggle for me personally, because there are like I know this wonderful wildlife rescuer. We had her on the show and, you know, she's she's similar to John DiLonardo. She'll save the fowl. She'll save deer. She'll save you know, and then she does save a lot of lives however from a personal health perspective she's she d- is not vegan but i it's hard it's impossible to really um please all you know what i mean but like i feel like having vegan options it's recognizing and it's respecting yeah, what totally. is right for those people. we did that for the southampton animal shelter as well at our uh, unlimited uh, love ul gala this august it was i think it was august might have been july um, yeah out in southampton we have yeah. vegan options. We were and vegetarian. I will tell you this. I will, I will certainly make this case for it. I think that if it was strictly vegan, we might actually turn off people who would be interested in trying some vegan options and getting yeah. gaining exposure to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It, well, anyway. So it's it's a, it, you know what? It's a good point, but but it is something. It's a transitional thing. We had two guys on the show last week, Jesse Langell being one of those, you know, and, and we were talking about that. You know, it is a transitional thing. Well, there's so much to unpack. We're never going to, Val, we got to, Val, well, here's the thing, Val, we, you know, the idea is you and I need to stay healthy, whether it's vegan or not, 
because we got a lot of shows to do. We got to do this for like another 60 years, kid. Let's get it together. Right now, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. Horse carriages when we come back. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. It's the lightning round. Take it away. We got like six minutes. Let's talk about the uh, horse carriage industry, specifically to New York City. I will personally just say that de Blasio, when he was running for uh, election, he did vow to end the cruel industry and uh, he failed and broke that promise. Um, Bonnie, take it away. So one of the people I met through Donnie Moss and and if you if you want to learn anything about what's happening in the animal world, Follow him personally, Donnie Moss, and his nonprofit, Their Turn. Uh, Donnie introduced me to one of my heroes. Her name is Adita Bernkrant. She's a passionate animal rights activist, and she's the head of NICLASS. NICLASS's singular mission is to put an end to the horse carriage trade. I'm sure many of you have seen the horrific videos of Ryder, R-Y-D-E-R, look it up, the horse who was being beaten uh, by his owner. And it later turned out that his, the co-owner had lied about Ryder's age. That was a horse that suffered as an Amish carriage horse for who knows how many years and then came to New York to work in the busy traffic. Uh, we, we finally have a chance of banning the carriage trade. So why isn't every single member of the city council sponsoring this bill? It makes no sense. Why? Because the carriage drivers have a union, okay? And you don't want to be seen as being anti-union. My grandfather was a labor organizer for the Amalgamated Ladies Garment Center. Mm. I know labor. The union that represents these drivers isn't, 
it is a union, but what it does for the drivers is nothing. They have no sick leave, no health insurance, no vacation time. They're independent contractors or they're treated as such. Mm-hmm. The union does nothing for them. No one can quite figure out why there even is a union, why the transit workers union would want to be involved with a horse carriage trade because they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. So the Blasio failed. Mayor Adams, before he was elected, didn't support the ban. Uh, if, if, if watching Ryder lying on the ground convulsing and later learning that he died doesn't appall you, or if it does appall you, contact your city council member. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the best this. Adams can't do it on his own, even if he wanted to. The city council must stop this. And I see posts from tourists around the world saying, I'm not coming to New York anymore. I go to, I work frequently in Cartagena, Colombia. Mm-hmm. They got rid of horse carriages and they have electric carriages. It's cleaner. No animals are hurt. And right. seems to mind um, Guadalajara, which is a city in Mexico, uh, mm-hmm. same thing, got rid of the horse carriages, got electric carriages. So, so wait, I want to stop for a sec, Bonnie, because, because again, so it's, the, the argument's going to be these these drivers, they, they earn a good wage and the union protects them. But you know what? Look, I grew up in a union family. My old man, we would on strike every three years when we worked for the phone company, you know, and I remember 1989. <laughs> I was out of work for six months in 1989. I grew up watching that. I mean, you know, I know that. But if you're saying this union ain't doing anything for these men and women who are these drivers anyway, then what the hell are we even talking about? So that's a that's a bunk BS answer to what's going on, right? there. Yeah. So listen, folks, Bonnie Clapper and I are saying like that is not the that's not a good objection to this, right? Don't say that we're protecting these people. The bill would give the carriage drivers first crack at having electric carriages. So instead of having to pay for the feed, pay for the shelter, it's a win-win for everybody, except the carriage horse owners who are powerful, wealthy, have a strong lobby and hide behind this union that does nothing for its workers. So, I mean, if the city council passes this, it's a win for the drivers. It's a win for the horses. Certainly. It's not a win for the owners, but they don't really give a damn about what happens to the horses anyway. Sorry. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, you know right. what? We know organizations. We'll get those horses out to Warrior Ranch Foundation oh and get them you know, refitted and, and into oh lifestyle you know where the maybe they're adopted into a family that cares about them right or they just go to sanctuary because now a retired carriage horse goes to some farm nobody pays attention a year later that carriage horse is sold for meat to mexico Jesus. so there is there's no humane way to do this and i just want to say one thing because i know we're ending quickly i saw you run veterinarians international i do their legal work scarlet their founder is a powerhouse and if you're someone that cares about the intersection between human health, animal health, and third world countries, I urge you to take a look at that organization. We can always use more volunteers. I think we have her coming on the show. Um, I would, it would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity because of the fact that election day, midterm elections are coming up this coming Tuesday. Um, number one, please vote. Uh, number two, please, if you're not already familiar with your legislators, and what they are doing uh, or have done uh, on behalf of the animals, please find out. And um, on a federal federal level, I, I think a good resource is um, the Humane Society has a legislative arm 
and they rate, there is a report card system for the uh, US senators and um, con Congress people. Thank you, that's the other one. You know what, I'm gonna make it really easy for your viewers. There's a phenomenal 501c4 in New York called VFAR, Voters for Animal Rights. They have a report card for any New York City. Now we're just talking the city, of course, but any New York City candidate. And they will tell you, she supports uh, the puppy mill ban. He doesn't support the puppy mill ban. So right. make life easy. Just check out VFAR and they'll tell you where every candidate stands on the animals. And vote. And vote, yeah. vote, vote. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, look, Bonnie, thank you. Just let's say very succinctly, but really we need you to help educate us and, and stay friends with us and keep us in the loop. And how do we people... Will really follow what you have going on? Are there certain initiatives that, you know, is it your social media or anything like that? Well, I mean, my social media mostly consists of reposting what all the nonprofits I work with do. But again, if you're more edgy and you want to be out there, support direct action everywhere. Uh, if your passion is dogs, Regina, who you know at Camp Happy yeah. Tales, can always use the volunteers and always use the money. Yeah. Uh, a cat rescue if cats are your thing. So those are all local organizations. If you want to be hands-on, you I mean, I got my start in many years ago walking dogs at a shelter, the little shelter in Huntington with my yeah. son. Sure. You know, he needed community service credit, so we walk dogs. So yeah. any professional can be a dog walker or can be an accountant, do pro bono accounting work for a nonprofit. I mean, nonprofits need every penny for their animals. Yeah. Free work. You know, social media offer to do free social media work for one of these organizations. So yeah. there's a million ways you can 100 percent take your skill set and give it back. So those people can be who are on the front lines can be on the front lines. A couple things I want to shout out real quick. And then I actually going to close the show if I find the other quote potentially with two quotes. Um, Regina has been texting me um, the last couple of weeks. Camp Happy Tales NYC is having a holiday fundraiser on Long Island, November 30th, 2022. Reach out to me, TommyD.NYC on Instagram or uh, I don't know what's the other one, uh, TikTok you'll do, or TommyD at paldeshow.com <laughs> or just get to Regina Camp Happy Tales. Um, we always close with one quote, but something's hitting me right now. And it's about when Valerie started talking about voting. And before we do the final quote, I just want to read this one. Everybody knows it probably, but never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. That's Margaret Mead. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. Get out there and make an impact. Be on the front lines. And as you know, we always close the show with this one. The greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated. Make it Amen. a great day, everybody. Thank you. Bonnie, thank you. Valerie. Hey, Johnny. Thank you, Bonnie. Bye. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. 
While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 